Welcome to the Bill Bradley Collective on a cold and blustery Friday night for us. How you doing, Andrew? Doing great. Um, it's opening day of the live golf season, so I'm really just like there's nothing uh, in, like, my, in my element. There's nothing like opening day. Um, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to having a Jamba Juice and sitting down and watching it Saturday and Sunday as mm-hmm. well. So, in 1969, the Mets, as you know, beat the Orioles for four games to one. Sure. I think you're going to get this one quickly. Only one pitcher won two games in that series. Who was it? Is he dead or alive? Fuck. Um, and you can't, you can't have. What's well, what's well, like? Be, you can't have him say it's going to be easy. Tom right? Seaver, it's not Tom Se- Seaver. No, no, Seaver lost the first game. Jerry, um, fuck Jerry Kuzman. That is Jerry Kuzman. Jerry Kuzman won the second uh, and fifth game. Good. Um, <laughs> Jerry Gentry won the third, mm-hmm. saved by uh, Nolan Ryan. And fourth, I forget. Don Con- Don Codwell or some yeah. some slapdick. Oh, uh, slapdick. Oh, <laughs> is, is Jerry Kuzman dead or alive? Seaver just passed. Um, I'll say he's dead. Nope, no, still alive. Good. Still alive. He was a former rookie of the year too. I think he won in '68. I think they. Uh, I think uh, Seaver won in '66 and he won in '68. Why did I think that? Because Seaver's Seaver wasn't particularly old when he passed. It was a couple years ago, right? Seaver. Yeah, Jerry Kuzman's in his 80s. Is he okay? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, he could easily be dead. How are you doing, Zach? I'm doing well. I'm very excited to do uh, one of my favorite activities after the podcast, which is. Going to the draft choice and watching mid-conference college <laughs> basketball. It's very exciting. I, uh, I, I will have to sneak out early because I have a very early flight to catch tomorrow for work in Montana. And I, of course, have yet to pack. So, Zach, there is a show, uh, par- uh, Simpsons said, is a parody of Citizen Kane in which Mr. Burns becomes obsessed with the stuffed teddy bear that he had lost and Maggie Simpson now somehow owns. What is the name of that bear? Bobo, ding 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 ding. We have a winner, Bobo the bear. Yeah, yep. that was that was quick. <laughs> you had that one all the way. So you both did fine on that are alive. What are you going to be writing about, Zach? I'll be writing about Marjorie Taylor Greene's call for a national divorce being picked up by Fox News. I will be talking about Brandon Miller, the current Brandon Miller in college basketball, and um, how if you are good enough at basketball and you are surrounded by the right people, you don't have to live with any implications of your own actions. What are you going to be uh, ranting about? So the aforementioned uh, debut of Live This Week, um, and just kind of like a Live Golf Prospectus 2023. Yep. Um, and then for our main topic, we'll be celebrating strong. We'll be examining the life, but basically the presidency of Jimmy Carter, uh, who is unfortunately very ill right now uh well no, he's 98 so he's he's, he's, mo- lived, he's fine he's, he's lived mo- a long life he's mostly just really old and he's in hospice uh with his family and uh we will be back on the bill bradley collective driving into the crossroads of sports and politics we are the bill bradley collective here are your hosts, Ed, Zach, and Andrew. So if there's ever been any doubt as to whether it is impossible for us to learn anything, the Brandon Miller saga going on in Alabama now is evidence that we have never learned anything. Because how many times in our life have we seen college athletes commit horrifying acts 
and then the adults who are supposed to be responsible for them do everything in their power to minimize them and cover them up so they can get some more wins. Brandon Miller is probably the best player in college basketball, which means means he's like going to go. Well, I guess he's thought about being a top five pick top, now. A top five pick, yeah, top five pick. Not sure he'll be a top five pick anymore because Brandon Miller's teammate, Mile of uh, Darius Miles, and Michael Buzz Davis, uh, another guy, murdered Jamey Jonah Harris. Who, uh, who was 23, had a five-year-old son. And the way they murdered him is um, Brandon Miller gave them the gun. We know this because there was a text message from Miles to Miller saying, can you bring me a gun? And Miller said yes. Now, he brought him a pistol, so he's not out, you know, hunting varmints. <laughs> um, and the coach... For Alabama, who continues to play Brandon Miller as though nothing has happened, said he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. What is the right place and the right time to be asked for a gun to commit a murder? Some place where you could say no? He could have said no on a text. He chose not to. And he is still playing. They haven't even suspended him. They haven't said we're going to look into this and do some fake bullshit investigation and said, you know what? We looked at Brandon in the eyes and he said he didn't know and we trust him or one of those nonsensical things. Instead, they may as well have said, fuck that woman. Fuck that kid. This kid's going to help us make get to the third round of the tournament. And that's worth too much to us because the Alabama sports program is always hurting for money. The coach should be fired. Um, you, uh, Andrew, you were on Mike McDaniels for playing two and thought he should have been fired. I think this is several magnitudes different of than this. Like you could say in the moment, as I did, the head coach is not not watching. You know, he's trusting the doctors. He's not thinking about concussion protocols. He's running a game. But Nate Nate Oates, or what is, is that? Nate Oates. Yeah, Nate Oates who was also incredibly badly dressed. He owns the worst sports jackets I've ever seen. I mean, it's, he, I'm sure he's hip in Alabama, but my God. But him saying, him just blowing off, yeah, wrong place, wrong time, and moving on is as disgraceful a thing as I've seen in sports. It makes, I mean, I would stop watching college basketball, but then I'd have to start to stop. Yeah, Brandon Miller just put up like 40 the other day, didn't he? 43. 43, yeah, yeah he put up... And he he released his lawyers released the text messages between him and Darius Miles and the other guy, and like their their whole argument is he didn't know he had a gun, but then when he did know he had a gun, he didn't touch the gun, so therefore it's fine. He didn't do anything. Yeah, wrong. the he didn't touch the gun is one of those. Oh, that, what you're not saying is saying everything here. And Alabama put out a statement being like, well, this is consistent with the investigation and, you know, he's a cooperating witness and, uh, yeah, we have no further action needed. They're just going to keep playing him and keep being the number one team in the country because who's going to stop him? Sure. I talked to you about this last night, Zach, but John Rothstein covers college. I use the word cover kind of loosely there, but he covers uh, college basketball for CBS Sports. And he's on a lot of their studio programming. 
He's an absolutely his his Twitter feed is like a car wreck that you just can't take your eyes off of. It's it is peak cringe comedy. And what Rothstein does is he has a thing where for like a bunch of coaches nationwide, he'll after a win, he'll just tweet like the coach's name and some stupid tagline. And for instance, like uh, as you know, Archie, Archie Miller. Miller at URI is uh, more locked in than a CPA on April fifteenth. I mean, it gets cringier than that, but that's a little taste. His Nate Oates line after an Alabama win is always Nate Oates, my cousin Vinny. I assume it is the fact that Oates, uh, his previous job was at the University of Buffalo, so he comes from New York and he goes to Alabama, not unlike the Joe Pesci character and my cousin Vinny. It's a bit of you know some Nostradamus shit from Rothstein because I think Oates might in fact find himself in a courtroom. Allah, uh, the Pesci character and my cousin Vinny, just a tragic situation, and there's just it, 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 it's they're completely unchecked. Oates, the whole situation um, just speaks volumes about the the worst aspects of college college sports. So for my rant this week, uh, I'm going to discuss a story that I found on Twitter because it was originally on Newsmax. This interview happened where Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, gave an interview where she said that red states and blue states need a national divorce, uh, a.k.a. secession, which we did before. It killed 2% of our population. It didn't go well. We freed slaves. So that was good. But the yeah. other stuff was bad. But then we figured out how to kind of re-slave them yeah. for another 100 years. But still. Um, she said we need a national divorce, and red states and blue states have to secede from one another. And that if you move from a blue state to a red state that you shouldn't have a right to vote for three to five years uh, because they don't want you, you know, infecting the red states with your blue liberal ideologies. And this was picked up by Hannity on Fox News and ran as a segment where he had her on and said he agreed with her on the no voting from three to five years. Marjorie Taylor Greene, is probably the most well-known Republican not named Donald Trump at the moment. She's clearly the number one fundraiser. She's their number one fundraiser. She is, like, the far right, this, like, fascist, like, anti-LGBTQ, like, anti-workers' rights, anti-voting rights party is very much in power right now. And I have no idea how we're going to ever work with people like this who, be, who who believe we should go back to a civil war. Like, how do we ever work with them on anything? Can you, Where's the common ground? People always say, oh, I just want the common ground to be found. What's the common ground? Yeah, it, The idea of work, you know, I, I want to work across the aisle. It's not an aisle. It's a moat and it's filled with piranhas. So, no, you're not walk, walk, working across it. Um. Can you imagine the mental gymnastics it takes to, on one hand, say Colin Kaepernick should not be allowed to play football because he knelt during the national anthem, and on the other hand, say, but the country should be dissolved? That there is no idea. And and look, I, I don't take anything Marjorie Taylor Greene says seriously. It's a, it's, it seems to me like performance art. However, it's the silence from the Democrat, Republican leadership. Kevin McCarthy does not say anything. Mitch McConnell says nothing. No one says, no, wait, we are one country and we will figure out how to stay one country despite our differences. No Republican has said that. McCarthy put her 
on the Homeland Security Committee where she has oversight on national defense after the Chinese balloon that flew over our country, which, by the way, was just kind of funnier than anything else. Yeah, not, not, not a threat. It was amusing. Yeah. Zeppelin's but not a threat. She screamed at the generals that they were lying to her. That's who McCarthy put on Homeland Security. Some of the shit coming out of these people's mouths. I mean, look at this Ted Cruz stuff on Ukraine this week. I, it's just, it's beyond parody. Um, the first thing I thought of when I saw Green's comments were like that she's basically just like codifying voter suppression. Like that, that's like all it is. It's just like, yeah. you know, um, it, uh, just when you think they can't go lower, they continue like, to. You'd say, say it's racist, except it's she's, really, she genuinely believes that against like all Democrats. Like. Now she thinks all Democrats are black, but she doesn't, <laughs> or 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 they or they like blacks. Yeah, right. Yeah, she's yeah. Sure. Uh, Tees are in the ground, balls are in the air. Uh, it's year two of the Live Golf Experience. Um, this week, their first of fourteen events at Mayacoba Resort in Mexico, formerly the home of a lesser uh, PGA Tour event, like a fall season. Uh, again, not a very prestigious one. Didn't last very long. But yeah, Mayacoba plays um, host here for for week one. Um, some new faces, uh, most notably uh, Belgian Thomas Peters. And when I say most notably, you guys are big Peters guys, right? Big, He's a real big, needle mover. Big Thomas Peters, Peters heads. Big Peters heads. Um, a youngish European player. He's like 30th in the world or so. Um, definitely the biggest fish they've landed, but again, not a guy that's making any kind of like a ripple or a wave. Um, Brendan Steele is a new face. He's kind of an over-the-hill American. He's got some tour wins, but he hasn't been relevant. And to say that he ever was relevant is kind of a stretch, but it's his, his best years are behind him, as are most of these guys. Uh, Mito Pereira, who gagged away the PGA Championship last year, is a new entrant. Um, kind of shuffled the deck here. Uh, the 12 teams, uh, new faces and new places. Bubba Watson, to me, this was like the low light of the live offseason uh, when he's giving an interview and he's talking about watching golf with his son. And he says, my son, is he's super into it. He says, you know, the, the four aces. Everybody knows the four aces. You guys know the four aces, right? They're like the Yankees. That's what Bubba Watson said. They're like the Yankees. Yeah. Who are the four aces? Nobody fucking knows who the four aces are. I have no idea who's on the four aces. Give me a break. I'm pretty sure it's a doo-wop band from 1954. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The fact that I thought Watson was a guy who grew up a little bit in in his early years. He was very kind of combative with the media, combative with his peers. Seemed like he grew up. He famously, like, he buys the car from Deuce of Hazard. He paints over the Confederate flag. It just seemed like the guy matured. And he makes this jump to live here in kind of the twilight of his prime. He says just ridiculous shit like this. Like, I've lost all all respect for Bubba, all respect for pretty much anybody involved in this endeavor. New TV deal, which according to Zach here, um, were they on the CW today? Uh, no, they were not. <laughs> uh, I Every time I clicked over, it was Maury, then it was Judge Mathis. Yeah. That it was friend reruns. Like, much- and I couldn't figure, like, I know they were in Mexico, so I was like, okay, maybe they started... Like later in the day, it's like an no, hour time difference. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. This much ballyhooed, much publicized deal with the CW of all places. Um, just a joke. Like this whole endeavor is a joke. Same twenty-five million dollar purses in these events. Same twelve-team, four-guy. Same system. Same bullshit. Some new courses, and it remains the same. That this thing is a joke. It is a farce. Just cannot wait for it to fucking go away. The whole problem with this team concept team concept is at the end of the day all anyone cares about is who is the guy with the lowest score yeah. like like i don't give a shit what to, like oh dustin johnson on 
the Fireballs is, I think, a team. I, I actually think DJ is one of the four aces. It, yeah, D- I, I all think. right. <laughs> so Dustin Johnson wins the tournament for the four aces, and the rest of them finish in like 28th to 35th. Pat Perez, yeah, and it's like, champagne. And it's like, oh, but the team got a win because the one guy did. And it's like, that's just, that is stupid. Like, that's yeah. just stupider than normal golf. <laughs> it's like Ron Jones getting a, Ronald Jones getting a uh, Super Bowl ring because yeah. he was technically on the Kansas City Chiefs, even though he was inactive for all the entire playoffs. Yeah. It's golf, but louder and also uh, shittier as well. <laughs> um, after the break, it's kind of a dry here. We're, we're in that kind of like post football, pre March Madness, pre baseball malaise on the sports side. I think it's as good of a time as any, though. Let's let's dig into the career of Jimmy Carter, well, the presidency, with, the life and times. With, with him being committed to hospice this oh, week. Oh, of course. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, what, I mean, by... We, you know, we, we, th- this, there's every chance that he doesn't make it to when this episode airs. And it's, he certainly will probably not make it until the next time we record, because next week's a bonus episode, because yeah. I'm away. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it just seems like a very complicated president and a very complicated man. And we'll be back... With the bill, Bradley Collective. Excuse me, sir. Coffee, tea, chemotherapy? (laughs) No, no thanks. Maybe later. Hi, I'm a smoker. And while most airlines are turning away my business, I'm glad there's a new alternative for people like me. In the event your cigarettes go out, a plastic mask will drop down, dispensing exhaust fumes directly from our engines. Strap it around your face and inhale normally. (laughs) Ah, that's good. So listen, if you like to smoke and you gotta fly, go with the airline that's like an ashtray in the sky. We put the your local cardiologist for details. So welcome back. So, you know, as we said, Jimmy Carter, who is 98 years old, and as we record this in hospice, has been an ex-president much longer, much longer than anyone else has ever been an ex-president before. By the way, and he will not be caught by Biden. A fun fact (laughs) about that is once Jimmy Carter dies... Uh, which any day now. Yep. Joe Biden will be older than any other ex-president still alive. Sure. Obama, Bush, Clinton. Well, Obama and Clinton were young. Yeah. Uh, and Bush wasn't that old. Bush was 50. Right. And then after, you know, and then we said, you know. So maybe we don't run him in 2024. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's some talk about that. But anyway, um, but Jimmy Carter, and he has become sainted i think in those in in the in the 40 years since he 42 years now 30 years well 42 years since he left it seems very difficult to be an ex-president because you've achieved the peak of what you can achieve in american society you've governed the country for four to eight years um in jimmy carter's case four but in everyone else's case it's eight yep and it's kind of like nobody really cares what you think about the current policies. Like, if there's a scandal, you might get asked, but you're really supposed to yeah. kind of like 
go away. Yeah, I, I, I and th- Jimmy Carter like just never went away. And yeah, and, and he did. He did. He he worked on peace missions. Yeah. Most famously, he built houses. He stopped uh, last year. He stopped teaching Sunday school for the first time, and you know he had caught it his entire life, except for the four years he was president. Um, and that's the image we have of Jimmy Carter. But you know, I I have thought. Go ahead. That's before we before we get into, I think it should be like, what were your thoughts about Jimmy Carter before this episode? Before we did like the little background prep, yep. and then like like Andrew, you, me, Jimmy Carter. We had the same curriculum growing up in school. They didn't teach us about Jimmy Carter. No. Um, I had almost, I like me personally, I had almost no, I was like, he just seems like a good guy, but his presidency seems weird. That was it. And it's a quote I actually found, the idea of being, he's a better person than he was a president. Um, and that was kind of my impression of him too. Um, he was one term, you know, so you, you it's easier to kind of, look back and you know looking at two terms but like you to your point um just four years um kind of like not post-vietnam pre-reagan i mean the seven I, I, again like we weren't alive either like i don't really have much context for like 76 to 80 right. well like, i mean somebody on the table i was i was so i was 14 when he ran and i followed politics closely i remember my social studies teacher got very mad at me for my pro gerald ford takes no, a lot of that was my dad. Liberal, liberal indoctrination in the public school. But, in Shelton. Yeah, but yeah, there, yeah, true. But um, but some of the stuff, you know, and and now many years, you know, afterwards, I thought like, geez, what was what was I thinking? I did not vote for him in eighty. I didn't vote for Reagan. I vote for John Anderson. I never voted for Carter. Was I John vote- Anderson the? He was a. Was uh, he the Reform Party? Yeah, I think it was called the Reform Party. He was. He was a liberal, um, Democrat, a liberal Republican from, and I think it was the Chicago area, but I could be wrong about that. So your first election, you didn't vote for either major party. No, I voted for in both eighty and eighty four. I voted for uh, no eighty eighty four. I voted for Mondale in eighty. I voted for, no eighty was Mondale. Eighty four was, was uh, no eighty was uh, Car- uh, Carter. Yeah. Yes, he no, ran. He, he, he oh, right, right, yeah, right, he ran yeah. again. Right, I voted for. I think I voted for Mondale, but I might have voted for Anderson again. Uh, George Will famously said about uh, John Anderson, "He only runs in, he only runs in elections he can win, and then he doesn't win them." Which uh, <laughs> is true. Anyway, so let's Jimmy Carter, born in uh, October one, nineteen twenty four, in Plains, Georgia. I don't think there is any president who is more connected to their hometown than Jimmy Carter. No, but my favorite fact about his birth was he was the first president born in a hospital. Yes. That is true. I, I knew I, that. I loved that. That that was a big yeah. That was a, a big thing. They they mentioned that yeah. uh, when he ran. Um, yeah, and, and and they were dirt poor. He lived in basically an all black area, um, in Georgia, but obviously a good student gets uh, accepted. Gets goes into the navy. He's uh, the only president to live in like um, a subsidized housing prior to. I'm pretty sure I've read that. Yeah, I'm I think, sure Obama yeah, the, did at some point in his life. Uh, I mean, oh, I, would I, guess. Don't, I don't think Obama ever did. I think Carter's the only one that right. ever lived in government housing. Okay. I mean, we had some poor people growing up. Uh, well, there was they, no. They didn't have government right, housing yeah, right. until like the 50s right, or yeah. 40s. So. Right. But he, um, yeah, I, I, I would have thought Obama had, but maybe not. Yeah, that's possible. He runs for governor. Jimmy Carter was a man in a hurry. He, he gets into the state Senate like 60. By 66, he's running for governor. 
And it's a three-way race. Georgia at this time was 100% Democrat because the Democrat, this was still when the South wouldn't vote for um, Carter because Lincoln was, I mean, wouldn't vote for Democrats because Lincoln was a Republican, which gives you an idea of what it's like to hold a grudge. Um, and also like where, where we, where the parties were at 60 years ago versus where they're at now, like the Democrat, uh, a Southern Democrat was a thing that led and was why like civil rights was right. like hard to pass. And, and, and these guys all switched parties. They after, all became Republicans. In right. Like George, George Wallace is a Democrat. Uh, cause Wallace, yeah, we'll talk about this, but, uh, Carter, Carter wanted to run in 72 kind with of Wallace sniffed around and then realized he couldn't be Wallace. Yeah. But he was, well, but he, he wanted to Wallace. form a ticket. He with wanted to form a ticket with Wallace. Right. And, and by the way, Wallace didn't become terrible after 72. Wallace oh, wow. had been horrifying before 72. Carter said in, um, uh, in his 66, um, in a press conference when he was trying to run, he said, quote, Conservative, moderate, liberal, and middle of the road. I believe I am a more complicated person than that. And he is a very complicated person. Because while he did many, many good things, his willingness to flirt, and sometimes do really terrible things, was a big part of his political career. I mean, did that surprise you, Andrew, as you read like Had no idea that was a thing. Um, I think it was, what was it, 70? Uh, was it Carl Sanders? Was that who he ran against in the Democratic primary? It was uh, Lester Maddox and oh no, no uh, the second time was Carl Sanders, right? The first, yes, and second I, time, and who was very liberal. Yeah, and it jumped out at me that he like would, he would go on the offensive against Sanders and basically say that um, that it was a negative that Sanders would court the support of like of like black leaders. Um, I had no idea that, that was a part of Carter's legacy. Well, like, I mean, was, it's it's also how the news was. I mean, Andrew Young, uh, who later became a, a United Nations ambassador and, and mayor of Atlanta and a host of Saturday Night Live uh, in the first year. Um, Andrew Young was a big Carter guy. He met with Martin Luther King. He ran with he he met with Andrew Young. However, he met with Martin Luther King Sr., not Jr. However, um, he then, when he was running, handed out pictures of Sanders meeting with black basketball players and shaking their hands as a negative. He somehow was able to hold both thoughts in his head at the same time. It, in politics, it's often tough between like to differentiate between what is the political motive and what is the personal motive. On this, I think that's one of those times where it's like he did that, but then he was the first Georgia governor to put up black like leaders from Georgia in the state house. Like it, it's. It's very difficult to be like, was this politically motivated because he knew his base were these white racist Democrats, or was it personally motivated that he was in fact a racist? Do you give George H. W. Bush the same break on the on the Willie Horton ads? Because it's the same thing. No, twice. because his policies were his policies he, he, for a Republican of the for a Republican of of, of the eighties. Yeah. Bush was, if anything, far more moderate on race. I mean, no, that's a, that's a good that's that's I a, mean, that's a fair point because that is a fair point. I mean, I think 
a lot of like the Jimmy Carter legacy gets whitewashed in a sense because he's such a great humanitarian. After that, it's like you don't want to think that this this person who was kind of an icon in you know egalitarian views could have held these racist beliefs and may still have until he you know up until today although I, but it, but that's a fair point that you know i don't i don't give bush the same credit with I, that and i think i think that as obviously by far the oldest person at the table i look back at things i said and did 30 years ago that i'm ashamed of you know what was i thinking about and we get to evolve yeah and that it's not the same as not doing them very but, true. I mean, you know, you shouldn't have done him. Uh, you know, he, you know, but in that election in which he he wins by show by by using the pictures of of Carl, uh, Carlson, right? Carl Sanders, Carl Sanders with um with uh black black basketball players in his inaugural speech says um the time of racial discrimination is over and that he lost a whole bunch of his his supporters. Now he said it. After he won, and he was a one-term governor, but I think he could only be a one-term yeah, governor. Yeah, he was term limited. Yeah. It's, term limits of one is rough. Virginia is term limits of one, right? That's right, yeah. And then, and that's why we ended up with fucking Yorkin. Yeah. Uh, so, he, he has a, a kind of non-eventful term as in Georgia. It's fine. And then he decides he's going to run for president in 1976. Which is the most open election in the history of, like, since Washington's yeah, first one. We had nobody. We had nobody in that election. Oh, no, we did. There's a great book. It should have been Adlai Stevenson. No, no. Adlai Stevenson. No, was that, was 68. 68. that was 68. Uh, 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 no, that was Eugene McCarthy. What, Adlai Stevenson was 56. Before you, what is the product, like, what causes that? What causes an election to be, like, what, what are the forces that, that well, made that so, happen? Well, a couple things open. happen. One, Watergate happened. Nixon resigned, Spiro Agnew resigned, Gerald Ford comes in, and very quickly pardons Nixon. Mm -hmm. You have an unelected person who never won national office and who came out of, like, nowhere to get this job. Like, just nowhere. He was a congressman. He Like, he, he is the first president, the only president we ever had, that has received zero national votes, right? And we'll it will you know it'll never happen again. Well, uh, well, I mean, the Secretary of State could take over if, if true, uh, or no, even not Speaker no, of the House, Speaker of the House, yeah, right, yeah. Unless it was like, what was it? The, the designated survivor happens. It's not happening. Was that the show with Kiefer Sutherland? Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, Let's terrible. also not gloss over the fact before it's a. A Michigan football legend. Yes. Linda Johnson says he must have played. Before, said he must have played before helmets. And, <laughs> and, and a great Simpson episode. Right. Um, true. Not him though. Not him. Um, the other thing that happened is they passed these very strict campaign finance laws, and it is an. Uh, I can't remember the name of the book. I've read it twice. It's like 900 pages because it's the first election I followed really closely, the 76 election. I liked my guys were uh, Scoop Jackson from Washington, who was a moderate Democrat, and Morris Udall, who was a liberal Democrat. 
uh, from 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 Utah. Right? I believe about, friend of the pod, Morris Udall. We've talked about <laughs> yes. Morris Udall more than once. Yeah, we, we yes. Birch By ran for president. It was they're like 15, 16 people, but they all had jobs, and he didn't have a job. Yeah, he gave like he Carter gave like two hundred speeches or something. It's also the beginning of the Iowa caucuses. So he goes to Iowa. It's also really the beginning of the open primaries, you know, because that comes with in this too. Because before that, it was still, I mean, Robert Kennedy looked like he was going to get the presidential nomination in '68, and it didn't enter the race until really late. Like, I mean, it was because it, it was just a different world. Yeah, they didn't have it. it wasn't yeah, the, it, it just was structured differently, and it becomes restructured in '76. Because Carter's been there for two years, and he spent all of his time in Iowa, Iowa, New Hampshire, and so and famously, when he's when the New Hampshire results comes in, he's in South Carolina because he had been able to raise money. He and and but he was staying in like bed and breakfasts and, and he like it, it all of the it, when you read the book and and I can't believe I can't remember the name of the book, but it it's um the way that they had to run these campaigns was unlike anything they had ever done because it was just such a shoestring budget. And so people were dropping out just because they didn't want to live that way. And Carter just had been there. And Ford had, I believe somebody ran against Ford too. Rockefeller. Didn't, no, it wasn't Rockefeller because Rockefeller was vice president. Rockefeller endorsed Carter. While he was Ford's vice president. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Ford, uh, Ford had gotten rid of him. Which, by the way, that never happening again. A sitting vice president endorsing a member of the opposite party, not in the not in. He the, had already been told he wasn't going to get to run. And uh, who the hell did Ford pick? I forgot who he picked. Um, but um, nobody ever remembers. No, it's, but anyway, so Carter ends up winning a close election. He wins by thirty. He wins. It's by a. About 1%. 50.1. He gets 50.1% of the popular vote, and Ford gets 48%. 48.2%. Electoral College was like... 276 to 240? No, it was like 296 to 240. Yeah, yeah, right. It's 536, right? So it's 296 to 230. Wallace got votes. Wallace ran that time, too. I think Wallace won Alabama. No, he won Alabama in 68. He won states in 68. Um... He might have been shot, but I don't know if you remember if he shot him. But anyway, Carter comes in. First thing he does is give amnesty to all draft dodgers. Bold choice. Right. I mean, also, something I agree with. I can't, but let's remember, the war had ended two years before. Two years. What was it? 50,000 Americans died. Yep. It was a very high number of Americans. It was not a popular decision, especially with the military, who then immediately, even though he's coming out of the military, hated him for this. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Right? Like, yeah. Vietnam was, in many ways, like, not... It wasn't an illegal occupation, like all those hippies say, but... It was not a good war. Like it was not a just war. No. By, by, it, by, by the way, there were sixteen candidates running against Carter at the start. There were seventy candidates. My race. my favorite thing Carter did uh, was around uh, deregulation. 
because he deregulated two industries, one of which was awesome and one of which caused a nightmare, which is he deregulated the airline industry so that, like, the government could have no more oversight on ticket fares or fees. And it's just, it's why flying is such a fucking nightmare right now. Like, it it was this and then Reagan breaking the unions. And it's just like, uh, ah, that happened uh, fast. And, and, and also, the unwillingness of, uh, of, of our government anymore to prevent murders and, and, and trusts. Yeah. I mean, I mean. We'd be a better country if Teddy Roosevelt was still in charge because he because that the other thing is we we went from like fifteen airlines to four. Yeah, it's American Delta United and like Spirit, right? Or, or JetBlue. Jet, there's, yeah. there's a couple, but but these are regional, many regionals or whatever. But it's yeah, the, the lack, the kind of big competition was over. But the other one he deregulated, which like listen, Clinton was a deregulator, and I think we have aptly criticized him for what he deregulated mm-hmm. in the past specifically around the financial markets but like even as a left-leaning union democrat like i don't think all deregulation is bad and this is one very specific case which is he deregulated the beer industry to allow for direct sales of malt barley and hops which led to the absolute boom of microbrews of which connecticut has like 50 right well, yeah there is no sam adams even there's no sam yeah like this is Without it it's but it uh, revolutionizes the beer industry but that's regulations that the businesses had in yeah it now, was like a budweiser right now what we have to do is now have make it illegal for beer companies to own hops companies because budweiser which is losing its share of the market all the time, simply buys up all the hops. Just buy them all up and then just strangle people with them. So it's it, it not, not around here, but in several parts of the country, that's what's happening. The other criticism the military had of him very quickly was that he said that human rights are going to be at the forefront of our politics. Heaven forbid. Now, he also created the Carter Doctrine, which said we will use force and the for, we we are allowed to use force in the Persian Gulf when it affects our national interests, because this was during the gas crisis. Carter had very bad luck for what he took over, because the Vietnam War ended, and what happens after war is that all the military um, production stops. It's production stops. Right, and everybody comes back from the from yeah, the so army. You have massive unemployment tied with right. Rising costs. So he had nine percent unemployment, and then when the night when the when that went down, um, inflation went up. However, because it was a more pro labor environment, median income raised went up five point six percent and six percent in this last two years. When was the last time median income went up eleven oh. percent in two years? Well, it's because union density at that time was high, over thirty percent. Yeah, like we've we've never. In most other industrialized countries, unionization rates are over 70%. We've never got above 40. Right. I think our highest was 36, 6. Some, of that, like that. some of that is because agriculture is such a big uh, oh, yeah. we, will ne- we will never unionize. Well, you can't, well, yeah, you can't unite family farms. Yeah. We will never unionize the farms. The other thing he hit was, was OPEC, and eliminating um, 
the gas. I mean, it's not, you know, uh, limiting oil. I got my license in 1978, my driver's license. Gas is 47 cents a gallon. It went up. Then the gas crisis hit because it just didn't send us any oil. You would get up in the morning, you'd get in line on a Saturday and just sit in line all day. Uh, we had all the people were shooting each other in, in lines because over gas. It was a common thing. You could only get half a, half a tank at a time um, because, because it, that was uh, one of Carter's gas rationing things. Um, well, thank God we didn't build an entire economy based around commuting to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zoom didn't exist yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he had some bad luck, and but he also, he didn't get along with Congress at all. It was supposedly very insulting to, to congressional leaders uh, who were used to being pandered to. Which, by the way, was also... Because he had never been in Congress. It was also his problem in Georgia as governor was that he didn't get along with the legislature. Right. Like, he just, he kind of was like, I don't see what their point is here. And if you don't get along with the legislature, you better be a genius at strong-arm politics, as our former governor was. Dan Malloy. Uh, right. Respect. But, but um, he was not that. No. He was, um, a, he was a bumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> did you read about his Playboy interview? I did. I did. Um, it was a big deal. Yeah. That, was a, that got him the, to me, that got him the presidency. <laughs> Now he had that like you read about how like religion he was a you know kind of a devout uh, Baptist, Even, Southern Baptist Southern Baptist yeah Southern Baptist he was no oh, he was an evangelical right yeah, yeah but he was Southern Baptist yeah what is he what's the what's the line in the interview I, I have lust I have in my lust heart in, I have lusted in my heart I have committed I have committed adultery, adultery in my heart yeah for many women doesn't he use the word fuck in the interview too he, 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 he says, he says, he says that he like, doesn't mind when people use the word yes. fuck and um, people got very upset about this even though. Nixon's tapes had come out, and oh. it's an expletive deleted like seven thousand times. Yeah. And they asked him about it. He said, "I don't mind when people say the word fuck." But does that interview come? Is that published like summer of seventy six, or is it while he's in? I think he's in office. Is he in no, office? No, none of those. Oh. It was right before the election. Oh, right before the election. Yeah. yeah. But um, <laughs> and then he delivered the Malay's speech, where we have a crisis of confidence in this country, uh, and we need to, you know, think better. Like we need to be more optimistic which i remember watching that speech it did not he did not land the plane and um and then of course the hostage situation happened in iran which where are you guys on that in terms of like how uh he's negotiating and i think history history has shown that reagan using kissinger as a middleman was actively undermining Carter's negotiations. Yes. With, there's, there's no question about with that. Iran. Um, it makes it very difficult when you're a weak right. president, and Carter was a weak president. Like he didn't his starting the Department of Energy, starting the Department of Education, foundational changes to this country were done yep. because of that. Yep. But he was never a strong president because he just Every win he got was followed by like six and, losses. And you have to remember, we're coming off a near collapse of our government in yeah. Watergate, losing a war for the first time in our history, yeah. and nobody thought we won that war. Nobody even called it a tie. And, and um, Yeah, and the thought of like... And, and so we, we, the idea, and then they take our troops, the idea that we had no, we were no longer a superpower 
and Russia was the actual superpower. And Reagan came in and said, no, no, we are the, the city on the hill. A uh, shining beacon on the hill. Yeah. Well, the city, uh, yeah, we're shining. We're, both things are good. Yeah. But it's, it is like, I, obviously, I fault Carter for not negotiating the release. Like, at the end of the day, he's the one responsible for it. You know, Reagan, Kissinger undermining him, of course, that affects it. That's a big deal. That makes it very difficult to negotiate a deal. But at the end of the day, your job is to make that happen and yep. to get these hostages home. Brittany Griner's home. And yeah, and Brittany Griner's home. Like at the end of the day, you just have to make the deal. Like get these people back. Although it was not 100% clear who the hell we were even negotiating with. It's just we seemed helpless. And he was a man of nuance. And it wasn't, at some level, it wasn't a time for nuance. Now, Reagan was a monster, and everything bad is because of Reagan, but. <laughs> But it was clear to me, it was clear to everybody except for Carter that he was going to get pounded in this election. And it's like one of the biggest, I mean, it was one of the biggest blowouts in history. You know what I think? I think we've really held the dying man accountable tonight. (laughs) I think it's just he's a complicated figure. He is. Like, we could have spent, I mean, we could have spent an hour on Jimmy Carter because we haven't even touched his post-presidency life which is almost like an entirely different person. Yes. But but that's but the post presidency is what, you know, people like, you know, you the three of you guys remember. Yeah. You weren't born in 80. You weren't born in 80 yet, right? Were you? Uh, no. No, 82. Uh, 82. 82 that's the thought. So yeah, so like you weren't even born. And I lived through it and I remember it really, and I was really into politics. So I just remembered it very well and and um it brought a lot of that back in, in like, oh, this is what I didn't like about him. Yeah. Like, it, this, this is why I, I had some issues with him. So, just as we finish up, like, where would you guys, you know, we've had 46? Yep. No, 47. 46 presidents. 46. It should be 47 because Grover yeah. Cleveland. Well, it should be 45 because Grover it's, Cleveland. Yes. Yeah, we've had 46. Um, Where would you place him? I'm not qualified, really. I... I <laughs> I, I would I would guess based on like my research he's he's fairly low I don't know like between like twenty five and thirty five like in that ballpark yep. that's exact um, I that's exactly where I the, have the, him the person he reminds me of most in terms of like his weak some of his weaknesses as a president and his post presidency is John Quincy Adams yeah his pre presidency is nothing like like John Quincy Adams was incredible but like but he had the same issues he just couldn't get a he had a hard time getting along with people and. Yeah. I, I put him at like 26 to right. 30. Yeah. Like, not, you know, the things he did well, he did well. And the things he did poorly, he did poorly. How do you rank a guy high after the beating he takes in his campaign right. for like re-election? Yeah. Like how do you, yeah, it, it, you know what I mean? One term, it's, it, there should be no one-term president aside from maybe John Adams in the top 25. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess Lincoln had a second term. Like, not a second term. Come on. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah. it was it was only he a couple. Won a, of he yeah. won election twice. Was, right, right. Yeah, I guess I guess that's probably fair. Uh, I mean, actually, George H. W. Bush and Carter had kind of similar highs highs and lows. Yeah. And with that, um, I enjoyed this very much because I, I I hadn't thought about Jimmy Carter a lot, and it was good to really go back and think about his presidency. And we hope you enjoyed it on the Bill Bradley Collective. 
As always, we thank you for joining us here. And if you liked today's episode, smash that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Let's help grow the collective brand. We'll see you all next week on the Bill Bradley Collective.